righteousness is my only hope of righteousness at heaven's throne. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to the Voice of My Beloved podcast. Brayden and Tally Waller here. We are going through Song of Songs study we've been working on. We've been missing you all. We haven't uh, we haven't had a chance to come out here. We're missing each other. We actually this this is a really nice time for Brayden and I to just get out and have a little time together. So it's good. It's good a little to be day back. Yeah, good to be <laughs> back in the studio here. <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to the babysitters. Every time that we do a podcast, there's a babysitter represented. We've got some really sweet girls here doing that right now. A lot of times it's a Noni and Pop-Up, my parents. But uh, yeah, huge blessing, all the people that help us be able to do this. So a lot has happened since the last podcast. We've had we've had a really busy winter. Winter usually is a downtime where you like kick back, read some books, do some puzzles. <laughs> but, uh, but we... Uh, We've been we've been hopping this winter. We had Hebrew discipleship, lots of winter storm. Took a trip to Colorado to visit family and friends, and Joel Salatin was here last week, and that was really fun. We had Joel Salatin. Highlights from Joel Salatin. What do you think? Oh, it was really good. Just uh, like drinking from a fire hydrant. Oh yeah, uh, he has so much information. Uh, it was really really encouraging uh, mm-hmm. just to see, you know, so many people right now are wanting to homestead, just realizing that you, you need to have some source of food, mm-hmm. uh, at least the know-how of how to grow your own food and stuff. So yeah, it was a yeah, really In case people don't know, um, Bill Gates is the number one owner of farmland in the country. And if that doesn't want to make you homestead, I don't know what will. So <laughs> y'all but should get out there and start planting. My favorite thing from the conference though was his session on relationships and how to work together as a team as a family and so that was really really good really good points in that Mm -hmm. yeah you know i someone said um said because the first day was pretty much like all kinds of information on you know all kinds of farming techniques, all the different animals, barns, what you, where you need to put the feeders, how the, the whole rotational grazing thing works. There's a lot of information. And then the second day was just like people. It was all about people and business and stuff. And it was like, yeah, you could have all the know-how, but if you can't get along with anyone, you're, you're, uh, you're not going to get very far. So, um, so yeah, the whole second day. And that was amazing. It was really good. I really liked the part about how to work with your children so they'll want to work with you. Yeah. And so that was really, he gave 10, the 10 commandments of teaching your children to enjoy working. And that was really good. Yeah. One of my favorite takeaways from that session was uh, don't ever punish your children with work. Basically, you know, you did something bad. So now you got to wash the dishes. That's, (laughs) that's the quickest way to teach a child to hate working. Right. So so, uh, yeah, he just had a lot of really good wisdom. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, he did. Yeah, it was it was really good. We had a lot of a lot of interesting people come out, people from all over different places. Um, And that was neat getting to meet some of the locals here. People from Colorado came out and a lot of people from all over. It was really good. Yeah. So it was a a good, productive week. Really encouraging. I think it got us excited. Springtime here. We've got lambs. I don't think we've told you that, but we've got 
13 lambs that were born here on the farm and a calf. So we're milking our cow. So it was exciting. It was exciting to get all that information in this season, especially. Um, and let me think. What else? Oh, we've got Passover coming up in two weeks. Uh, just hard to believe. We've got uh, Family Week, uh, Resurrection Life theme. And that's on the website if you want more information, loveandpurity.com. And so, yeah, so we're getting excited about that, getting things ready, continually trying to make improvements here, little by little. And family week, and then end of April, we have a marriage event where we are going to be celebrating marriage, each other. The relationship is important. Yes. So, yeah, so we've got a lot of... uh fun things planned for that. We've got ballroom dancing lessons. Sally's uh, especially excited about that because she's been trying to get me to dance for a while. I, yeah. <laughs> you know what? With the dancing thing, it's like you're only given one partner in life. And so it's a problem if you like dancing and the other person doesn't, right? So <laughs> I never said I didn't like dancing, really. I just, the whole organized choreographed, dancing organized dancing. Yeah. He likes jumping around a lot. And I'm <laughs> glad he likes jumping around. <laughs> I like some organization to it, but you like the art of dancing. I, I do. <laughs> I do like it, but you know, I figure some of my sons will come up. They'll maybe one of them might appreciate it a little bit more. Mm. We'll see. But anyways, it'll be fun. <laughs> we'll do the, um, dancing and candlelight dinners and a couple speakers. And so it'll be fun, a fun time to just really invest in each other. It's important to do that. Make that time. Yeah, I think super important in these yeah. hectic times to really pull yeah. away and just invest time in marriage relationship is super important. So yeah, I'm looking I, forward to that. I don't know if anyone else has felt it, but it's been um, this season, you know, we can see things crumbling around us. And um, a lot of that feels kind of far off, like what's happening in China and, <laughs> you know, D.C. and stuff like that. It, it's concerning but um but it feels kind of far off but then I've realized that a lot of us I kind of it's like this hidden stress that that kind of seeps into the relationships and stuff that are really close to us as well because the enemy you know comes it's sneaky his tactics and so um so anyways it's really important I think to really be purposeful in in standing up against those areas where we can be stressed or overwhelmed or easily agitated. I've kind of felt that over the past couple of months, just this kind of, I, I, hate, I hate to admit it, but just a little bit more irritated than usual. And I think it's just the world, you know, you know, there's, just, it's nice when things are going well, it, it feels nice when things are going well, but it's also nice to wake up and realize, you know, that there's a lot going on. It's kind of like uh, when you're in labor and you don't like me to aggravate you. Yeah. Not that I've ever trying to, but it's like almost like there's just like the this. The world is in labor kind <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah. A little more on edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just going to get more intense as we keep going with things. So got to take this as training ground right now. Get, get grounded. Ready. Get grounded in the word. Super yeah. important time to do that. Be intentional with intentional. our time to mm-hmm. get, get grounded. Yeah. Uh, Make sure that we've got some clarity as families and as communities and so important. It's really good. Yes. So we're um, jumping into Song of Songs here, and this particular part is a, it's a praise of the bride, and um, it's great, uh, really neat praise of the bride. This is, we're kind of getting into some poetry class stuff again here, where 
there's quite a few ways you can kind of read it um, and and reckon it. Um, so Brain's going to kind of go through those different ways of looking at this part of scripture. But um, but yeah, an encouraging, real uh, a lot of praise of the bride here. Yeah, so here we are, chapter 7, verse 1. How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O prince's daughter. And uh, this opening line it reminds me of the Twilight Paris song. How beautiful the radiant bride who looks to her groom with his light in her eyes. Just, uh, I always love that song, Twilight Paris song. It's a good song. Just this whole perspective of the bride of Christ is beautiful. The people of God are beautiful. And I believe that is such a refreshing perspective to remind ourselves of mm-hmm. uh, because the enemy is the accuser and he's accusing God's people day and night that they're not beautiful, that they're not, uh, you know, measuring up. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this whole perspective of the bride is going to be pure and spotless, ready for the coming of Yeshua. Mm-hmm. That confidence, I believe, gives us hope, you know, to continue to labor right? You know, if we're giving birth to something, you know, we don't know what it's going to be, then we're like, you know, why all this suffering? Why all this pain? But if we know these labor pains that we're actually bringing forth something beautiful, Mm -hmm. something, the kingdom of God is going to come forth. The bride will be made ready. Mm -hmm. And so uh, how beautiful, I just love that, you know, to have that perspective on the body of Christ, how beautiful, it's a beautiful uh, body. It's a beautiful people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, to, to see through that lens, I believe, helps us to have hope. Mm-hmm. And so here. Yeah. Well, I just, I just wanted to say quick too, like just, cause I'm even thinking, you know, just a literal translation here, how many of us look at our own self and, you know, you're like, ah, you know, this part of me, I would change, you know, my nose is a little long, my ears are a little bigger than I would like and whatever, you know, you can be critical of our, of ourselves. And, um, I think we have that tendency when we look at the body of Messiah as well to just be, you know, look at certain parts like, eh, it's not, it could be nicer. Right. You know, that, that part over there could use some work. Right. And, um, and, but you know, how amazing it is that God says he fearfully and wonderfully created us and how, um, he fearfully and wonderfully created the body of Messiah, you know, um, all the in, intricacies of all the different parts working together um and it's such a beautiful thing when it's healthy and vibrant all those parts are vibrant and so um something that we really have to look forward to is you know we look at different parts of the body not to be critical or you know but to recognize this is fearfully and wonderfully you know part of god's work and i love how it starts at the feet because feet aren't really the prettiest part Right, you know? <laughs> but it's like it's starting right there at the um, at the feet, and I'm just thinking, you know, back in the day, I don't know, feet are kind of rough even today. But back then, they were like no one was wearing shoes and stuff like that, and uh, feet can look pretty rough. You walk around, you know, you can walk around get get pretty rough looking feet. But uh, he's saying, how beautiful, how beautiful are your feet in sandals? In yes. sandals, it's not even like in really nice shoes that covers up your feet right in sandals where you can actually see this see your feet so yeah so i want to get a little into now just the different ways that this chapter is interpreted some interpreters i think a lot of your bible translations will actually have the bridegroom saying this a lot of what's in this chapter now 
there's another perspective that it's actually the daughter speaking. And just to give a little bit of insight, we're not saying one way or the other. And Tally and I have talked about this. This yeah. Some of the verbiage is so romantic in this. It's like, could it really be the daughters? But some of the reasons why it's thought to be the daughters is one, whenever the bridegroom speaks to the bride throughout the song, he speaks, my love, my dove, my beautiful one. Uh, here in in this section, he, he if it is the bridegroom, he breaks away from that norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's saying, oh, prince's daughter. Yeah, oh, prince's daughter. So that's one of the reasons why it's thought that the daughters are actually speaking here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then one of the other reasons is it, there's a lot of parallels between this section and chapter four. Chapter four is where the bridegroom is praising the bride and he gives 10 affirmations. He gives 10 praises to the bride. And in that section, he starts at the head and goes down. Mm-hmm. This time, Heavenly there are 10 affirmations yeah. that go from the feet up. Mm-hmm. And so the people, the group that holds to the daughter's perspective is saying, well, the daughters had this view of the bride that they're seeing her through her feet because her feet are basically her works, her life you know, how she's walking out her life. And that's, you know, the way the world around us, that's primarily the way that they see us, right? That's the way they're going to reckon us. And so that's one of the thoughts. Whereas the bridegroom, he's reckoning the bride through from her head. Basically, he sees her thoughts. He sees the motivations of her heart. And he sees her firstly through that lens. And so just to give a little perspective, we're not decided ourselves which one we really want to land on, but just want to kind of bring you into the conversation. (laughs) And maybe, yeah, or even just saying, maybe it's the bridegroom speaking, kind of seeing the bride through the perspective of the rest of the body messiah possibly yeah i don't know so i'll go with that one yes it's like a little bit of both yeah (laughs) yes so beautiful feet we see this in other places in scripture isaiah 52 7 how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who proclaims peace who brings glad tidings of good things who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And so this is a powerful proclamation, you know, speaking to Zion, your God reigns. And this is beautiful feet that are bringing that message. And then we have, of course, Ephesians six fifteen. This is part of the whole armor of God. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So these beautiful feet are bringing hope. They're bringing a message of peace, of shalom. Mm-hmm. And uh, just that is something... I know my own life as I've looked at people that have brought, you know, that have carried the gospel, that have um, gone through great sacrifice, you know, to bring the gospel to unreached areas, to uh, rough areas, places where they're persecuted. That's a beautiful thing to me. You know, we've, yeah. we've been, as we mentioned before, we've been reading these stories a lot as a family, yep. people that have suffered. And Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott. We just yeah. finished reading Jim Elliott. And here, you know, they laid down their lives to bring hope to these people that on a, purely human level we're like you know why why you know they, they're just barbarians out in the woods but god loves those people mm-hmm. and i think that there's something that the whole body appreciates and they go it's beautiful how beautiful are your feet mm-hmm. you know that you're actually willing to go and uh, i think that's something that is is uh, i know for in my own life i think for many they can yeah. express the same thing there's something of a beauty about that mm-hmm. willing to go yeah i was just uh reminded uh recently too just the um someone's mentioned before that how much easier it is to move a or how to how easy it easier it is to steer 
a moving object as opposed to one that's standing still or moving very slowly. Right. And I'm sure you've all kind of experienced that with driving cars and different things. Um, and so I just think of the bride, she's moving, she's doing, she's walking, she's continuing on the path. She's not uh, stuck kind of feeling lost. Like she's moving, she's being directed by him. Right. And uh, just how important that is, you know, to just keep on walking in the path, putting one f- foot in front of the other. And sometimes, you know, she might not know exactly what she's, the next step is, but just the fact that she's stepping, she's keeping on going. Um, yeah. And this, the whole picture of the, the sandals that are on the feet too, that it's a place of protection. You know, it's the sandals are protecting the, the feet from the harshness of the ground and, um, just that, uh, the, the protection that there is in that as she keeps on walking and keeps on, um, walking and, and being directed by God that, um, there's protection in that. Yeah. So. One of the thing on the sandals, uh, with the prodigal son story, you know, the, the father puts sandals on the prodigal's feet and here he'd been walking barefooted. And so the sandals also have this representation of redemption, of mm-hmm. favor. And, uh, the bride has that, she has that redemption and favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next part here, the curves of your thighs are like jewels, the work of the hands of a skillful workman. And so here I just want to, emphasize the point here that she's walking out, right? She, she just talked about the feet, you know, walking, but the thighs, you know, the, the bone in the thigh is the biggest bone in the body, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's this Muscles. propelling, it's this muscle that propels you forward. Mm-hmm. And so there's also this work, the skillful workman, basically God has equipped each one of us. He's equipped you to walk out your calling. Mm-hmm. You have a skillful workman behind your design. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, he, uh, he's made you, perfectly to fulfill your calling. Sometimes we get wrapped up, you know, how am I going to actually fulfill the calling that God, and we can kind of get bogged down, but no, skillful workman, the skillful workman made you, uh, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mm-hmm. And so leaning heavily, you know, that the, I feel like the point here is lean upon the the designer, <laughs> lean upon the creator. Mm-hmm. He designed you. He created you even, you know, beforehand. He's created beforehand the good works that we walk in. And so we don't have to worry about running out of strength, mm-hmm. running out of the power to fulfill our calling. Mm-hmm. He is the skillful workman. Or even not having anything to do or not knowing where to go. Right. It's like he's got a calling on your life that's that's masterfully, you know, uh, selected just for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, and I'm also, you know, as I'm thinking of um, thighs and walking and that whole thing, it's like, um, you know, a child, a baby, doesn't learn to walk until they're about a year old. And there's there's this year-long process of kind of growing in strength and agility, figuring out how to move around. It's a, it's a skill that's learned. And um, I'm just thinking of a believer, you know, that as a believer matures, you know, that this is the, you know, that ability to walk and to go forward is, um, it's, it's a purposeful thing, you know, that they, you know, that's, it's this idea of maturing and stuff and, and just how beautiful it is. It's, it's referred to as jewels here, you know, that that maturing process, that readying to go walk out in your calling, that that's, um, jewels. It's, it's a beautiful thing, you know, even though, you know, 
wobbly, that wobbly stage of kind of falling every couple steps, kind of, you know, that whole stage can be discouraging, but, um, just, it's a beautiful process though. Cause eventually you get up and running, you know, and just, right. um, and just, you know, understanding that here when it's referring to, to the thighs, you know, what makes you move. Right. So, yeah. Verse two, your navel is a rounded goblet. It lacks no blended beverage. So navel is, you know, belly button, right? Which is basically the place where you receive nourishment in the womb. And so it's speaking spiritually of you've been well nourished as a, as you're developing, you know, the, the bride, she's been nourished under the apple tree. She's been nourished by the love of God. She's well rooted and grounded in his love. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it's like a rounded goblet mm -hmm. and it lacks no blended beverage. Uh, the blended beverage could also be translated as in some translations as mixed wine. And so wine throughout scripture has a pretty strong connection in many places to covenant, mm -hmm. right? Even coming up on Passover here, Yeshua, he's going to make covenant with his disciples. He, he pours wine. He says, mm -hmm. drink this. This is the blood of the new covenant. And so here, uh, her formative stages are, they're formed in covenant. And I believe that's, uh, you know, marriage, you know, when, when you get married, you enter into this covenant. And, you know, as Tally and I, we followed that model of, you know, there's wine. We drank wine. And that was, you know, when Tally drank the wine, that was a, mm -hmm. a, a ceiling point. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. this is, this, the, the, the deal is sealed, right? We're, we're in covenant now. <laughs> right. And so here, the bride, her, her forming stages, her formative um, interaction, or how, how would you say that? Her, her beginning Mm -hmm. is formed by this covenantal understanding and covenantal relationship with God. Right, right. All right, so next, uh, your waist is a heap of wheat set about with lilies. Here, the word waste uh, in other places in scripture is actually translated as womb, which, you know, it's a place where children are developing. And so I actually, every time I read the scripture, I think of a pregnant belly. Yeah, too, <laughs> right. So. <laughs> and so your waist is a heap of wheat. Wheat in scripture, we also see is a symbol for the harvest, right? The, the souls that are going to come into the kingdom. And so, uh, the bride's womb is like a heap of wheat, you know, not just a, a little bit of wheat, a heap of wheat. Okay. And so the bride is bringing forth this abundance, abundant harvest. Yeshua said, you know, you see, there's a lot of harvesting to do. Pray the Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers into the harvest. Mm -hmm. And so this whole idea of, I believe the bride is in intercession. She's interceding uh, and bringing forth souls. I remember reading a story of a guy named John Hyde as an incredible intercessor years ago, but he believed God for one soul a day. He just prayed fervently that God would, would uh, bring a soul into the kingdom. And every day, sure enough, uh, a person would get born again. And then after a period of time, he, he believed God for two people every day. And he worked all the way up to four people every day that he would just in laboring and in, uh, intercession, intense intercession, he would pray, cry out to God for four souls and they would come into the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I see here with the bride. She's, she is her, her womb. She's bringing forth this harvest and set about with lilies. Uh, there's this picture here just to visualize, you know, you've got a heap of wheat and then lilies about it which symbolize purity and innocence. Mm -hmm. uh, the lilies throughout the song symbolize purity and innocence. So these souls that are being born again, they're not just, you know, half cocked, you know, just mm -hmm. like, but they're, they're coming forth in purity. I just, mm -hmm. you know, when I think of being born again, I think of that clean slate, like there's just an innocence mm -hmm. and a purity and you're just like, wow, God doesn't, 
hold anything against me. You know, he's removed my sins as far as the East is from the West. Mm -hmm. And you're just like in awe of his forgiveness. And so there's that purity of the lilies associated with the harvest that's brought forth. And that's the bride is engaging in that. Yeah. She's a part of that process. Yeah. And also just think of birth in general and just the, you know, a beautiful birth is a beautiful birth. It's, you know, that purity, it's, uh, it's just such a, a miracle, such a, a beautiful thing. And just seeing that, you know, that fruitfulness that it's surrounded and protected with purity. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Verse three, your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. So here, as we mentioned before, the breasts speak of the ability to nourish. She's able to bring forth children, as we just mentioned. She's bringing forth the harvest, and then she's also able to nourish them. Not only is she involved in evangelism, you could say, but she's also involved in discipleship. Mm -hmm. Uh, The bride is actively engaging in discipleship. And uh, this is something, if we're going with the line of of thought that this is the daughters, the daughters are are appreciative of her ability to nourish and to to bring them forth along the journey uh, and, and bring them into understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is in contrast, if you look at chapter eight, it talks about the little sister who has no breast. She's not able to nourish yet. Uh, whereas the bride, she's able to nourish. She's able to disciple. Uh, this is the symbolism in the song. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. going on to verse four, your neck is like an ivory tower. The neck speaks of the will. As we've mentioned, this has uh, been referenced before. I think it was back in chapter four, uh, the neck. Uh, but here the neck is like an ivory tower. And it's speaking of her will, right? She set her will to follow after God. And it's not basically, it's saying it's not just an emotion-based obedience. She has set her mind that she's going to follow God mm-hmm. through the good times, bad times, whether her emotions are there or not. Uh, her neck is like an ivory tower. And this is uh, something I think that is very important as we resist temptation, mm-hmm. you know, not just to be tossed about, but to like set our will that we are going to obey. We want to obey God. And this is the bride. She set her heart to obey. Mm-hmm. Next, your eyes are like the pools in Heshbon by the gate of Batrabim. Uh, the pools of Heshbon are known as clean and clear waters. And so her eyes have this clarity, this clearness. The bridegroom is saying, wow, you're transparent. You're, there's nothing hidden. You're just a transparent uh, bride and you are uh, beautiful. This is a beautiful thing to the bridegroom. And uh, the pool reflects, you know, as you, if you look in a pool, uh, a steel pool, it reflects. And so she's, mm-hmm. I believe there's a sense here of her reflecting the bridegroom. She's reflecting the character, the virtues of the bridegroom. Mm-hmm. And then Bat Rabim, uh, the literal translation is uh, the daughter of, of the many. And so it's kind of, con- it seems like it's contrasting here a little bit. She's, uh, her eyes are like the pools in Heshbon, these clean, pure pools and then next, nearby that, you have this gate of the many daughters. And it makes me think of uh, Proverbs 31. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. So in the Song of Songs, we see this, um, the uniqueness of the bride, right? That she is not going the way of the many, but she's setting herself apart to be pure and holy for her bridegroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of reference to this, just the purity, you know, and mm-hmm. the beauty of the, of purity and, and holiness here in this whole praise yeah going on your nose is like the tower of lebanon which looks toward damascus and the song we, the nose is is seen to be discernment right we smell something to see if it's gone bad right <laughs> so the nose it's it's speaking of the bride's discernment and it's like damascus uh it says it's like the tower of lebanon which looks toward damascus 
And so Damascus would have been the capital city of Syria back in Bible times, uh, which was one of Israel's greatest enemies uh, and you know a huge empire that was a lot of times fighting Israel. Mm-hmm. And so the, the symbolism here is that she has discernment in regard to how the enemy, basically uh-huh. the tower is facing Damascus, the one of the chief enemies of, yeah. of the people of Israel. And so the bride, she's, she's basically not cowering mm-hmm. away from the enemy. She's realizing she has discernment right. about what the enemy's doing and how he's trying to basically get infiltrate the camp. <laughs> she's not being caught off guard. She's not caught off guard. Yes. Yeah. She has discernment on part of that maturity yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 Was, what a big, uh, I want that, that <laughs> she faces the you enemy know? unafraid, yeah, right? Yeah. She's like, she's not afraid she's to have that right power. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, you know, it's, you're not going to, you're not going to bol- <laughs> push me down, you right. know, trample right. over me. Right. Uh, yeah. What a huge, a huge thing to know that, you know, cause that's, we have that confidence in him. We can look at trials and, and things, attacks of the enemy and know, hey, that we've got victory here. You know, I, I see exactly what your game plan is here. I know what you're, you know, because how, how many of us get caught off guard, you know, by little things that come in, little foxes like we've talked about earlier in this, in this all, right. you know, right. that come in and try to destroy things. So, yeah. yeah. Verse five, your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. And so the head throughout the song talks about is speaking of the thoughts. And so second Corinthians 10, five casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so the bride, she's, she's doing this. She's, she's bringing into captivity, uh, it bringing into obedience, her thoughts and her head is crowning her like Mount Carmel. Carmel, as we know in the scripture, is the place where Elijah called down fire from heaven. Mm-hmm. And it also makes me think of the disciples that are praying for the Holy Spirit, right? And tongues of fire resting on their head. Oh, that's good. So um, her head crowns her like Mount Carmel. Uh, just this idea of having a, a mind that mm-hmm. that is has the fire of God, right? Yeah. You know, confident, that it, that, that is, confident in faith too. When you think about Elijah, right. you know, in that there, he had no question God was going to answer, you know, right. and having that confidence in God. Yeah. 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 There's so much battle that happens just right in our brains, you know? Oh, and, yeah. uh, and so just having a head like Mount Carmel, you know, basically, yeah. You think of Elijah, he's like, no, no doubt, you know, Oh, Bill, he's almost, he's just mocking in total, confidence. Yeah. He's yeah. mocking the Baal worshipers. Mm-hmm. You know? yep. So, uh, and then lastly, in the hair of your head is like purple. A king is held captive by your tresses. And so purple in the scripture represents royalty. Um, her hair is, is like royalty and hair in the scripture represents dedication. Like the Nazarites would grow their hair out speaking of their dedication to God. So mm-hmm. her hair, the hair of her head is like purple. And speaking of her dedication is royal. There's a royalty. There's a uh, a majesty in a way to her mm-hmm. dedication. And, um, and she's the daughter of the, of the prince, right? Let's talk about mm-hmm. earlier. Oh, prince's daughter. She is royalty. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, may you be encouraged out there as you're listening. May you be strengthened. May God bless you with discernment, uh, to know how the enemy is trying to come into your life. And may you have, uh, the ability to head him off at the pass, yes. you know, to, to pray, to speak promises and truth over your life and that you would get the victory. Mm-hmm. Amen. This is Brayden and Tally reminding you to listen to the voice of your beloved bridegroom. He's coming quickly.